Dear supporters of BLC, if you adore BLC and our free black history and audiobook content, donate via Patreon or get a print copy of the world-famous art pieces, The Marrow of Tradition by Charles Chestnut and Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl by Harriet Jacobs, bound together into just one practical book. The Morrow of Tradition by Charles Chestnut and Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl by Harriet Jacobs, bound together into just one practical book in the link below. With all of the strength that it can muster, the essential immorality and sinfulness of racial segregation, we must be able to say we are through with segregation now henceforth and forevermore because it stands against the broad universalism that stands at the center of the gospel. Racial segregation is diametrically opposed to the principles of our Judeo-Christian ethics and all of the dialectics of the logicians cannot make them lie down together. It seems to me that this is the first responsibility and this is the first challenge facing the church that in spite of all of the progress that we've made in breaking down barriers of segregation, there are still hardcore factors of de facto segregation that we must still grapple with in our society. We've gone a long, long way in breaking down the legal barrier. And I am convinced that legal segregation is on its deathbed, and the only thing uncertain about that is how costly the segregationists will make the funeral. But in spite of the death of legal segregation, we do have hardcore barriers of de facto segregation that are still with us. And the church must be active in that area, in that particular realm, in breaking down the barriers of segregation at every point. The second thing that I would like to suggest is the need for the church to get to the ideational roots of racial prejudice. As you know, racial prejudice is usually based on fears, suspicions, and misunderstandings that are usually groundless. Prejudice means, that's what it says, it means to prejudge. And so often individuals are misled in life, they are improperly taught. So often they follow the, the mandates of their surroundings. And so they end up with so many half-truths and so many myths and so many stereotypes concerning minority groups and they really believe them. And so often these half-truths have been disseminated by politicians who use them to arouse the fear of their constituency in order to perpetuate themselves in political power. It seems to me that the great challenge facing the church at this time is to lead the popular mind in the right direction through its channels of religious education. The church can do so much to tell people the truth to tell them the true aims and the true motives.
the Negro, to tell them the truth about human nature. The church at this time can do so much and to say to thousands and thousands of people who are misled at this point that the idea of inferior and superior races is a fallacious idea that has been refuted by all of the anthropological sciences. The church can do so much at this point to remind people that the Negro is not a criminal by nature. He may have the highest criminal rate in any community. The criminal responses are environmental and not racial. Poverty, ignorance, social isolation, economic deprivation, breed crime, whatever the racial group may be, and it is a torturous logic to use the tragic results of segregation as an argument for the continuation of it. The church can do so much to lead the popular mind and the motives of the Negro politically, in saying that the Negro is not out to dominate the nation politically. He is not out to bring about social disruption. He is merely seeking to bring about a moral balance in society where all of God's children will be able to have their basic constitutional and God-given rights. The church can do so much to lead people who are caught in the fear of intermarriage and the constant cries that come out on that point. I saying honestly to men and women that properly speaking individuals marry and not racist. And when a society comes to its full maturity, this question never really comes up because marriage is always an individual matter. And when a society comes to its full maturity, no state will have a law denying people of different racial groups from the opportunity of marrying if they want to marry because it becomes an individual decision. But even after saying this, the church can go on to say that the basic aim of the Negro is not to be the white man's brother-in-law, but to be his brother. And this has been demonstrated in over, over and over again in situations where there have been no laws prohibiting individuals of different racial groups from marrying. And so what I'm saying is that somehow and in some way, the church has the responsibility of going to the ideational roots of racial prejudice and telling people the truth on the basic issues that we face in our society today and on the basic questions surrounding the whole race problem. And at this point, the church must go all out to keep dialogue alive. This is one of the great problems facing our society. This is one of the great problems facing our nation. Men so often hate each other because they fear each other. They fear each other because they don't know each other, and they don't know each other because they don't communicate with each other, and they don't communicate with each other because they are separated from each other. And no greater tragedy than, uh, can befall a community than the attempt to live in monologue rather than dialogue. 
The church must go all out to keep dialogue alive. When we can talk together, when we can share our thoughts together, when we communicate many of the misunderstandings that presently exist will pass away. And so this again becomes a very basic point. Now let me go to a third point that I think is very, very relevant here after we have worked in the area of clearing up basic ideas, reaffirming the essential immorality of segregation. Then we must move into the arena of social action. In short, the church must develop a strong action program, a program of social reform, in order to make its gospel real, and in order to make the ethics of Jesus Christ relevant at this time. Now, I know the basic arguments. There are those who say the church shouldn't be bothered with this mundane stuff. And so often the church has been so absorbed in another worldly concern that it has lost sight of the here and the now. The gospel, true to its nature, will be concerned, yes, about the yonder, but also about the here. A gospel, true to its nature, will be concerned, yes, about heaven, but also about earth. There are the other arguments when we think about moving into the arena of social action. There are those who say that only time can solve the problem. And I know you've heard this argument. It is the myth of time. The idea that that is something in the very miraculous flow of time that, that will inevitably solve the problem of racial injustice. And so the people who follow this argument say to the Negro and his allies in the white community, just be nice and patient and wait a hundred or two hundred years, and the problem will work itself out. Well, that is an answer to that myth. It is that time is neutral. It can be used either constructively or destructively. And I say to you, my friends, this afternoon that I'm convinced and in so many instances, the people of ill will in our nation have used time much more effectively than the people of goodwill. And it may well be that we will have to repent in this generation, not merely for the vitriolic words and the violent actions of the bad people who will bomb a church in Birmingham, Alabama, or who will shoot down an Episcopal theological student in Lowndes County, Alabama, but also for the appalling silence and indifference of the good people who sit around and say, wait on time. Somewhere along the way we must come to see that human progress never rolls in on the wheels of inevitability. It comes through the tireless efforts and the persistent work of dedicated individuals who are willing to be co-workers with God. Without this hard work, time itself becomes an ally of the primitive forces of social stagnation. And so we must help time, 
And we must always realize that the time is always right to do right. Now that is another myth that stands in the way of concrete social action. It is the idea that legislation cannot solve the problem of racial injustice. And only religion and education can solve the problem. Now at least that is the half-truth involved here, I would be the first to say. If we are going to solve the problem that we face in the area of racial injustice, and somehow attitudes must be changed, we are going to solve the problems of racial injustice. All men must rise to the high mounting of love. If we are going to solve the problem of racial injustice, I am convinced that every white person in our country must treat the Negro right, not merely because the law says it, but because it is natural and because it is right and because the Negro is his brother. And so I would agree with anyone who says that legislation is not the ultimate answer. Certainly the ultimate answer is when men are obedient not merely to that which can be enforced by the law, when they will rise to the majestic heights of being obedient to the unenforceable. But after saying this, we must look at the other side. It may be true that you cannot legislate integration, but you can legislate desegregation. It may be true that morality cannot be legislated, but behavior can be regulated. It may be true that uh, the law cannot change the heart, but it can restrain the heartless. It may be true that the law cannot make a man love me, but it can restrain him from lynching me, and I think that's pretty important also. So that while the law cannot change the hearts of men, it does change the habits of men. And when you begin to change the habits of men, pretty soon the hearts will be changed, the attitudes will be changed, and so the church must see the necessity of supporting strong, meaningful civil rights legislation whether it's a Voting Rights Bill of 1965 or a Civil Rights Bill of 1964, with all of its various sections and all of its titles. These are challenges that we face as we move out into the arena of social action. Now let me mention one of the most serious problems that we face in our country today, one of the most serious problems that the Negro faces today, and if this problem isn't solved, we're going to have conflict after conflict, and all of my words calling for nonviolence will fall on many deaf ears. Dear supporters of BLC, if you adore BLC and our free black history and audiobook content, donate via Patreon or get a print copy of the world-famous art pieces, The Morrow of Tradition by Charles Chestnut, and Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl by Harriet Jacobs, bound together into just one practical book. The Morrow of Tradition by Charles Chestnut, and Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl by Harriet Jacobs, bound together into just one practical book, in the link below.